I often tell you the story. This is kind of in response to Joe Hens getting the, re the precepts. And I often tell you the story that is um, um, uh, where the, about the fish, which is the ringer of the bell on the porch. And in our Buddhist tradition, the fish is us swimming upstream. And fish go upstream to spawn, to reproduce themselves. In this case, are going upstream against the current of our culture uh, to awaken in order to be of service, called love in service. And so our path is going against the stream of our culture, which is, hasn't been really different in other times and places either. And so when we go, we get tumbled around and thrown around and hit rocks and have to go up waterfalls. But when we get up the stream and up the waterfall, there's that transformation. We say we become dragon. And a dragon is a symbol of enlightenment or awakening. So we're all a kind of student dragons in a certain sense. Yeah. So my dear student dragons, I wanted to just go over some of the basics of Buddhism. Sometimes I forget to do that week after week after week. And you guys need to know, too, because sometimes people ask the questions, well, what are the Buddhist teachings? Or you get an email and somebody's asking questions for their assignment. <laughs> I figure I'm a little have to be responsible, because sometimes I get off in all kinds of directions, which are, which are Buddhist, but they're just not so clearly Buddhist. <laughs> So I'd like to share with you first the five pronouncements, major pronouncements of our Mahayana tradition. And, the, and they are on our website if you want to look more at them. Number one, all sentient beings are Buddhas. So everybody's got it. And everybody's at least a student dragon. <laughs> My words here. But the, so all sentient beings are Buddhas. The second, samsara is nirvana. So this challenges the swimming against the stream is called samsara. And in the Mahayana tradition, we say, depending on your perspective, it's also nirvana. That's a koan to stand in the middle of. The third, one's passions are enlightenment. That's also a koan to stand in the middle of. Number four, we are an interrelated whole. It's one to stand in the middle of because our head says yes. But sometimes our actions are not in accord. So we need to be embodying these things. The fifth, everyday life is the way. 
otherwise known as ordinary. Wonderful and ordinary. Okay, so I'll read them again, and if anybody's got them there, uh, uh, get them memorized. Um, I'll, I was going to say I'll give you a kiss, but that might not be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> you just go to the Zen Buddhist Temple in Ann Arbor and get a kiss from the orange-robed. <laughs> but I'll go through one more time, okay? One, all sentient beings are Buddhas. Because this you can take everywhere. Two, samsara is nirvana. Three, one's passions are enlightenment. Four, we are an interrelated whole. Five, everyday life is the way. Who got it? All five. Well, I didn't get them all five. I mean, not <laughs> so I'm just interested in someone who got it memorized. No, sorry. <laughs> but thank you for your spontaneous. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Google. Very good. Thank you. Okay, the rest of you go on the website. Please learn it because it's an actual, like it's a methodology for you. If you go around with these teachings, it's, then you respond to the world accordingly. And people pick it up from you. All right, so the next basic teachings are the three great learnings. So this is another one for memorization, please. A little easier. Number one great learning is samadhi, or concentration. The next one is shila, or ethics. And the third one is prajna, or wisdom. So Joheng has just formally taken that middle one, shila, ethics, or morality. So what are the three great learnings? Put your hand up in enthusiasm and <laughs> let me know that you know. All right, Andrea. Good, very good, yes, thank you. Okay, so the reason I'm telling you that is that I want to go into um, next something that's part of the Eightfold Path, and um, it's the sixth uh, uh, part of the Eightfold Path, and it's called Right Effort. So as we take on something like Joheng has the precepts, She's going to have to, as each of you renew your precepts and decide to take them on, to apply some effort. And it goes to any kind of noble endeavor that you might have. So let me just share these four right efforts. The first one is called restraint. Restraint. So in, under restraint, we have generating the desire for the non-arising of unwholesome states. So generating the desire for the non-arising of unwholesome states. And then avoiding and preventing the arising of unwholesome states and unskillful thoughts. 
which have not yet arisen. That's the strength. The second of the four efforts is abandoning. Generating the desire for abandoning arisen unwholesome states. Abandoning unwholesome states and unskillful thoughts which have already arisen. So first restraint and then abandoning. Next, more hopeful, developing. Generating the desire for the arising of wholesome states. May I be generous and wholesome. That kind of thing. Cultivating, developing, and bringing forth wholesome states and skillful thoughts which have not yet arisen. May I. So that's restraint with unwholesome, abandoning with unwholesome, and then with wholesome beginning developing. And the fourth one is protecting, generating the desire for continuing arisen, wholesome states. Maintaining and sustaining wholesome states and skillful thoughts which have already arisen. Yes. So restraint, abandoning, developing, and protecting. Can, can everybody remember those? Julie? Um, I think that's it. <laughs> no? No. But I do want to be able to review that. I think you did something once about um, memorizing poems and poetry, yeah. and it reminds me my dad who's 87 can recite something from his second grade Christmas play. And he said that they didn't call it memorizing when he was a kid. It was always called, you had to learn it by heart. Mm -hmm. And every time he talks about memorizing, I think it's, you need to learn it by heart. Yeah. Isn't that a beautiful way to put it, learning by heart? I'll put these in our evolution so that you can get them and look at them. Because these are all things, if you keep reminding yourself, you're getting up into the dragon. Okay, so I'd like to um, tell you one of my favorite stories because um, here we've got all these teachings and now we've got practices, we've got meditation, we've got chanting, we've got doing prostrations as well as the actual working with some of the teachings that I've just given to you. And it's, it's, it was a long time ago in the fourth century that there was a monk called Asanga. A-S-A-N-G-A. And he began, you know, he was a student dragon, but he really wanted to get on with his awakening process. And so he decided, he was particularly enthralled with Maitreya Buddha. Maitreya Buddha is the Buddha of the future. And what he decided was he was going to go into uh, this cave and he was going to um, do a lot of practices in the hope of being able to have a vision of the future Buddha and receive teachings from the future Buddha. Okay? So he went on his way to this particular cave and he was doing uh, meditations and chanting 
and prostrations over and over again for three years. And he had no vision of the Maitreya. And he just thought, this is not working. I've got to just leave. And so he left the cave, and he was going down the road. And here was this, um, this person um, with a um, piece of cloth. No, no, let's see what was it. It was a, I think it was my memory OK, I'll put it in a different order. He saw this person um, sitting by a huge big rock. And at the bottom, he had a feather which was wet. And he was rubbing the bottom of this big rock. So Matreya went over to him and he said, what are you doing? <laughs> and he said, I've got my house over here. And this rock is too high. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to get it down so that we'll get more sunlight. <laughs> and Matreya just how can one, it was a huge, tall, it was the tallest rock in the area with a wet feather? That's ridiculous. He said, if people are doing such crazy things, maybe I should go back in the cave <laughs> see, uh, see if I could work a little more on that. So he, he went back in the cave and uh, continued with his meditation and his chanting and his prostrations five years this time. Not one vision of Maitreya. He just said, that's really, really crazy, you know. I, I, I just, this isn't probably what I'm supposed to be doing. So he left. And he went down the road this time. And here's this guy with a, a piece of cloth. And he's got this big piece of a kind of magnet or something that he's working on. And he's rubbing the cloth over this. And he had not seen anybody doing this, or rubbing a cloth over a rock. And so he said, well, what are you doing? You know? And he said, well, I need a needle. And I'm just trying to get this big rock down to the point where I'll be able to use this needle. And the scratch his head. And he said, if people are doing such strange things, I think I better go back to the cave again. So he went back, and he's in there for another three years. So he's been going for many years at this. And uh, again, no vision of Maitreya, no teachings. He decides for the third time to give up. So he goes down out of the cave and down the road for a while. And he comes across this dying dog. Its back legs are covered with maggots and kind of infested and rotting. And the dog is kind of snapping at him. And other passers-by, dogs snap. And there's something about the dog. I mean, at first, it seems like really repulsive, you know, this dog. but something in the Sangha decides, and so he takes a little piece of his own flesh and feeds the dog. It seems to be hungry. And then he decides maybe he could help with to stop the rotting process. And he's going to pick the maggots off of the corpse, uh, not the corpse, but the back of the dog. 
and he decided if he picked them, he could harm the magnet, maggots. So he goes down with his tongue, because he thinks that the tongue will, he gets it on his tongue, and it, it will not harm the maggots. So he goes right down, and all of a sudden, no dog, no maggots, but there's the Maitreya. And he complains. Where have you been all this time? <laughs> <laughs> and Maitreya says to him, I've been here all the time. You just didn't see me. Oh, that can't be true. I've been working on my practice so much. Put the dog on your, uh, on your shoulder and go into the marketplace and, uh, you know, Check it out with others. And Matreya says, okay. So he goes in, and he asks people, do you see something on my shoulder? People say, no. So he asks other people, no. It seems nobody sees anything on his shoulder. And then, but there's one old woman. She's kind of a crazy old woman. She says, it looks like you've got some kind of a rotting dog on your shoulder. <laughs> So, what is this about? Well, I like the question. <laughs> what do you think it's about? Yeah. Is that the I don't know? That's a great answer. Yeah. A lot of times we try to cook stuff up when we don't really know. Anybody else have any idea? Dang, I love Buddhism. <laughs> <laughs> Is it about conviction? Conviction? Yeah. How so? Um, sticking to something, even when it's not working, <laughs> and, and following true to it. Yeah. One day you'll get it. Yeah. I think it is about that. In, and maybe I would add to that it's kind of an invisible course. Sometimes you don't get any signs. Yeah. What do you think? But sometimes you do get signs and you ignore them. <laughs> because they seem so outlandish and it seems like that is a sign that you should go back to the other thing you were doing before. We have to bow to these guys, you know, they make good effort. And this guy here, too. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot to do that. Yeah. What do you say, Andrea? So the key is carrying future Buddha with them the entire time. <laughs> Are you about to I am. and the planting and the ceremony, he finally saw when he was helping 
another sentient being who is suffering. So that's the nibble. And uh -huh. eyes were open. aspire to be that old lady. <laughs> no, really. Well, I'm going to be an old lady anyway, but, but you already are. she doesn't <laughs> say, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She doesn't say, oh, God, oh, that's disgusting. She just says, oh, they're dogs. She doesn't judge. And she can see it. One, she can see it. Two, she doesn't judge. I'd like to be that old lady. Hey, Jen. Uh, I think it's funny getting off your own path and say it's not about you being in your cave, maybe just helping yourself. That you're finally, he could have helped um, the man with the feathers, getting more feathers, or he could have helped whittle that rock down. He chose not to. He chose to go back to his own path, and it's about helping each other out here. And finally, when you say, enough about me, let's mm -hmm. go on you, then we're okay. One more, Bumi. Uh, great compassion of Rafa Rico. Great compassion, what? Rafa Rico. Miss the last three words. Drop ego. Drop ego. Okay, so um, I'll tell you another story. Mm -hmm. It's the Kunta Zen story. <laughs> As we're student dragons, all, we can take the advice of this person who I've not told this story for a long time, so mm -hmm. it just has come to me. It is, um, you know, we have a person who's building a wall, a brick wall, and uh, to be for a cathedral. And um, apparently the story is that one person came up, comes up to this, there's a bunch of men, they're all building uh, a brick wall. And one person asks one guy, what are you doing? I'm uh, bricking, I'm laying bricks. Next person was, another person was asked, what are you doing? And he says, I'm building a wall. And the third person that was asked said, I'm building a cathedral. So in Zen Buddhism, it's all about building a cathedral, one maggot at a time. <laughs> <laughs> so it is one moment at a time. If you want to know where you are, look at this very moment. If you want to know where you've been, look at this very moment, and if you want to know where you will be, look at this very moment. So all of this is about taking care of each very moment. And our practice helps that, but also getting out and doing it is called together action. It's a part of what we do a lot of at this temple, in the garden, doing 
almost every time that we put them together action because often what we might not do alone we can do in the company of others together action first sometimes we don't like it but after a while we do because we are all inter one interrelated force and samsara is nirvana all of that Okay, so everything in our life, whatever we have on our plate these days, is a kind of koan or wadu. And I really like what one of the contemporary teachers said about um, koans, if I can find it. Oh. Uh, I'll try to remember that a koan is points the way to something in your life where you will learn a tremendous amount by standing in the midst of it. We have so much of a, you know, not here, not me, but a koan is a situation that has so much to teach you if you can stand in the middle of it. 